Chapter 37 Are you ready? Silverbell Smith asked Poema Lyrica. She nodded thoughtfully. Are you ready? Silverbell Smith asked Hiko Taki. He nodded with confidence. Are you ready? Silverbell Smith asked Louis Barimbe. He nodded with a gentle smile. And are you ready? Silverbell Smith turned to look upon the faces of the music makers. They had returned to the finale theater to deliberate, gathering among the theater seats. They had talked and they had contemplated, and they had worried and they had fretted, all the while underscored by Kai and Tai working in tandem at the piano. They were still hidden as they had been for so long. They were still safe as they had once feared they would never be again. But slowly, opinions had begun to change, and minds had begun to open, and a decision had been made. The crowd nodded up at Silverbell, more apprehensive than any of the four children, for they were still a unit. They were still scared together, still thinking together. But that was all beginning to change, and that change would begin right now. Here you are, said the man who was perhaps Kai, as he handed Louis a piece of paper imperative to their plan, while behind them, the man who was perhaps Tai kept the music going for just a few moments more. Thanks. Louis looked down on the paper and what was written there. And this will get us where we want to go? Silverbell asked Tai or Kai. In more ways than one, said Kai or Tai with a wink. Okay then, buddy. Silverbell placed her hands gently on Louis's shoulders. It's time. Louis nodded, perfectly at ease, perfectly assured in his ability. Would you hold this up for me? Louis asked, handing the piece of paper over to Silverbell. I would be honored. And holding the newly drawn sheet music within his eyeline proudly, Silverbell watched eagerly as Louis pulled his flute to his lips and brought to life another tune and another portal. It was much like all the other ones he had brought to life before, swirling in blue, beautiful and looming, yet somehow this one felt different. This one felt more important. There were no words to be said now, only actions to be done. And so Silverbell took Louis's hand, and Louis took a deep breath, and together, they, Silverbell Smith and Louis Barembe, Tiko Taki and Poema Lyrica, Constanza and Wolfie, Meredith and Gibby, and every single one of the music makers, walked through the portal. Silverbell didn't exactly know what she expected to see on the other side. The twins had been vague, as they were about everything, about where exactly the song that they had given to Louis would lead. Yet when everyone had agreed that they should return to the world once and for all, the pianists had assured them that they knew the perfect song and the perfect place for the little flautist to bring them for their grand return. Silverbell had been here before. She had lived here once, alone and afraid, and lost among a world meant for people quite unlike herself. Yet today, as she stepped into the familiar place— with the sun just rising at dawn and the streets just beginning to get busy with exciting life, Silverbell was not displeased at the sight of New Bravo City. The city was in slow motion, for Poem was singing just to be safe, just at first. They were dipping their toes into a pool, the cautious music makers, trying to see if the water was too hot or too cold or just right. One by one they came through into the newly dawning city, carrying their instruments, and looking upon the slow-motion faces that, for better or worse, would be looking on them in just a few moments. To Silverbell, they had once just been faces in a crowd, 
nameless bystanders who she had ignored and who had ignored her right back. But now she knew better. They were more. They were music makers. Party time? Silverbell Smith asked Louis Barembe with a wicked smile and butterflies in her stomach. Party time. There was not even inkling of fear left on Louis Barembe, only bravery and boldness. All right, gang? Silverbell raised her voice across the slowed city, calling to the music makers with their instruments at the ready. Let's make some music, she declared with power and gravitas. Except for you, Poem, because that would kind of defeat the purpose. Poem laughed, not a high musical laugh, but a hearty low-pitched chuckle, as she fell out of song, and the world fell back into normalcy. And normal it was, at first. For when the mechanical carriages started trotting again, and the pedestrians started skittering about, and the loud voices of the city began shouting, and the world began turning, there was not a soul who noticed the sound that had begun just then. But when the sound persisted and began to be heard, the people of New Bravo City suddenly noticed that they knew not what to call this new sound. Though, even more quickly, they remembered that the sound was not new at all, but had once been heard on every street corner and in every hall and in every place upon the earth. The sound was coming from a man with a burly moustache, playing a folding machine that passerbys now remembered was called an accordion. Yet the sound was also coming from a woman beside him, who was blowing hefty notes into existence on what others were now recognizing to be a sousaphone. A woman and her child were surprised to see two men at the edge of the park, strumming stringed instruments, but were more surprised to know that they knew to call these instruments the guitar and the lute. A group of government officials in green were horrified to see a boy with big brown eyes whistling away on his flute at the entrance to the Long Avenue Grand Trolley Station, and a flock of schoolgirls were positively tickled pink at the wheezing noises of two women at work on their oboe and clarinet. Yet the most horrified of them all was the man in government green who stomped out of the new Bravo City new government headquarters. He had heard the commotion from inside his great green office, and he now saw the commotion as all the streets and all the sky were suddenly filled with twirling, dancing light. These were supposed to be his streets, and this was supposed to be his city, and this was supposed to be his world run by his rules. So yes, oh yes, the governing governor, Belden Broderick Cove, was most horrified by what he heard. The burly man and his accordion, the woman and her sousaphone, the boy with his flute, and worst of all, yes, he was so aghast to see the little girl in her black pleated skirt with its thin white stripe, black suspenders that fit just right, a white colored shirt and a black beret, staring right back at him from her perch on top of a bench as she played in harmony upon the strings of her violin, unperturbed, unafraid, and utterly unstoppable. The realization came to everyone upon this street and in this city and in the world as the memories and the music floated back to them. Yes, that is what it was called. Music. And thus, the world remembered. For better or worse, it was still to be seen, still to be heard.